everyone. Welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lanu. And I'm going to apologize now if my voice is all scratchy. I, d- I don't know how to fix it. I'm ruining everything. Hello, this week we are talking about a Stephen King novella from 1982, movie from 1986 called Stand By Me, based on the body from the book Different Seasons. Now, you told me that you didn't see this. You've never seen it before. I had seen scenes from it, but I do not believe that I had seen it all the way through. Okay. Have you seen it? You had seen it. I'd seen it. I mean, this was a big movie when I was in my senior year at high school. People were talking about it all the time. See, I was six when it came out, so I was uh-huh. too young to see it then. I would have seen it so later. so much younger than me, and I never get to forget that. You weren't a senior in 1986? Yeah, I graduated in 1987. Oh, wow. So, Look yeah. at you, all uh-huh. ahead of the game. Um, yes, this is based on the third story, uh, or the third novella from Different Seasons. At this time, three of the four stories from different seasons have been turned into films. This was the first one uh, from 1986. This is Fall from Innocence is the subtitle. Uh, Summer of Corruption uh, was made into Apt Pupil. Hope Springs Eternal uh, was made into The Shawshank Redemption. Okay. And... Uh, the Winter's Tale, a breathing, the Breathing Method, was originally set to be released as a film in 2020, uh, with Scott Derrickson, the writer and director of the Doctor Strange movies, uh, at the helm. Unfortunately, he's now making Doctor Strange movies and is no longer at the helm. So I don't know when or if that is. It's still listed as in production in IMDb. That doesn't mean anything. So if it comes out. We will watch it, but right now, no idea when that might be. Right. Might, well, actually, by the time we're finished with this, it might be prepared. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. We're going well into 2020, so they've got yes. time. Uh, but uh, as for now, this is the autumn, the fall uh, story from different seasons, and though it does take place in the summer... In the summer mm. in Castle Rock, Oregon. Oregon, which yes. was changed from Maine. They did film in Oregon, and I think that's the only reason that they switched it from Castle Rock, Maine. Right, okay. It was written by Bruce Evans and Reynold Gideon. Don't know who those people are. It was directed by Rob Reiner. Right. Do know who that person is. And it stars <laughs> Baby... Baby Will Wheaton, Baby River Phoenix, Baby, uh, I want to call him Jay Underwood, but that is not his name. No, that's a different uh, child actor. <laughs> Baby uh, Jerry O'Connell, uh-huh. at which point, at, at some point during the movie, I, I called him the my character. secret identity. Right. <laughs> and Baby... Corey Feldman, not Corey Haim. He was in the other one. This is Corey Feldman. They were never in a Stephen King movie together. It's the only thing they weren't in together. And an adult, Richard Dreyfus, which was surprising to me for some reason. I don't I'm see... shocked to see Richard Dreyfus at all, ever. I, I, I don't see... Well, I think that was a, a mistake, frankly. 
You don't, don't see, see Will, Wheaton Will Wheaton turning into Richard Dreyfuss. Turning into Richard Dreyfuss. I think part of the problem is, and this happens a lot when you're watching a film where you see it's an funny. actor who... I could see Baby River Phoenix turning into Richard Dreyfuss. I can't see that either. Richard Dreyfuss is really short. I think the thing is, I've They're seen, all short at 12. I don't know if he's going to grow. I've seen Richard Dreyfuss as a child actor, too. Oh, well, that's he's so, broken for you. And that was kind of the issue that I have watching this now. I didn't have a problem with it. It was less it. of a problem for me at the time. Okay. But watching it now, it's like I've seen Richard Dreyfuss as a, a child and as an adult. I've seen River Phoenix. Unfortunately, I didn't see him as much of an adult. No, but, but I could Will see Wheaton. his coloring and his shape mm-hmm. grow into a Richard Dreyfuss. Less so on a Will Wheaton, he was very willowy, yeah. which I would not use to describe Richard Dreyfuss. No. But you don't see a lot of him. You see him sitting in a truck, and then you see him sitting in an office. Mm-hmm. And that's all. And you hear his voice. He is the narrator. Right. Because he is playing grown-up Will Wheaton. All right, explain this to me like I'm a two-year-old, okay? Because there's an element to this thing. I just cannot get through my thick head. And this whole thing is based on the line, hey, guys, want to see a dead body? (laughs) That's it. So what's the plot of the movie? That's the plot of the movie. Hey, guys, want to see a dead body? Oh, and then followed by, fuck yes, we do. (laughs) Let's do it. So when is it set? It is set in 1959, which was changed also from the book. The book was set in 1960. It's not much of a change. It's not, and I don't understand it. Because if it was like 63 to 64, I could understand because of the JFK assassination. I really don't understand the changing of one year. But the book is set in 1960. The movie is set in 1959. In uh, Labor Day weekend, in a town where the schools are on the program that I recall, which is school starts the Tuesday after Labor Day. That's what it was when I was growing up. Now school starts in August, and I feel bad for all these poor suckers. But they are at a they are in a small town, Castle Rock, Oregon. But it's not; it's Castle Rock, Maine, in the book, of course. And uh, we don't actually see. Was that the assistant, excuse me, was that, do you think that change was made at the insistence of the producers, the church elders, or, I'm wondering, not, excuse me, not church, town elders, do you think it was, My guess in an attempt is, to boost tourism, they said, could you please set it in? That's very possible, that along with the tax credits for filming there, you uh-huh. had to say it was set there. That's possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know about those rules, especially not in 1986. Uh, I think it was also that... I mean, I think Oregon could pass reasonably for Maine. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but they're you. I mean, they're filming in Oregon. It very clearly looks like Oregon. But no, I, it is possible. That is possible. Where they were mm-hmm. like, say it's in Oregon. Maybe it was also because they didn't want it tied so explicitly to anything else that had been set in Castle Rock. Or was How much in production to any be? of the other things, films that we've seen at least? Because I'm wondering at this point, I don't think he started out, like a lot of authors, with a developed idea of what his universe was. No, unlikely. So I think he being, just was like, this right. is one weird town, this is another weird town. Oh, I'm going to put my weird things in mm-hmm. these weird towns. Hold on, let me fi- figure out what was set in Castle Rock at this point. The Dead Zone? Cujo? Okay, so it started relatively early on, at least yeah. in terms of... And so those na- those 
movies both probably had right. the, the name Castle Rock in them. Um, that is a very odd choice. Castle Rock is also where Shawshank mm-hmm. Prison is. Right. So um, along with the body, uh, Reed Hayworth and the no. Shawshank Redemption also there takes place There is a there. big rock, I'm guessing, in Castle Rock. I don't know. We have uh, Indian Rock here uh, close by. It's effectively just a really big rock. I wonder if Castle Rock sounds like a huge rock. I don't... They never really talk about a big... Rock. Rock. So there are four boys, Uh all of whom are abused or neglected in some way. Um, And that's sort of what brings them together. So Mm -hmm. Gordy, who is our... Well, let's start with... In the movie, the first thing we see is Richard Dreyfus in his car, and he sees that his uh, Chris, what was the last name? Chris Chambers. Chris Chambers, lawyer Chris Cham- Chambers is killed, uh, stabbed in a restaurant. Uh-huh. In a dispute. And Gordy is giving us a flashback of the summer that he spent with Chris Chambers, who was his best friend, um, and two other boys, and this experience they had on Labor Day. So at this time, these four boys are hanging out together. And Gordy, Gordy's family has been uh, struck by the death of his older brother. The favorite. Yes, well. By far. The football star... Uh, all-around good kid, uh-huh. perfect older brother, Denny, played in the film at, by uh, Angelic John Cusack. <laughs> right. He looks so beautiful. Like, I don't know if they're lighting him that way or he was just so young that he looked like that. Yeah. He looked so dewy and beautiful. Uh, and he's a great big brother and he supports Gordy, even when dad thinks that Gordy's a big nerd and needs to stop Wasting his time with his stories. Does this sound familiar? Is it ringing a bell? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, um, I mean, not only for your life, but also, right. I don't know, Salem's Lot, for instance. Right. <laughs> um, and Denny was killed in a car accident? Yeah, the Jeep turned over, as it's right. described. And his parents are not in any way over it. Mm-hmm. And, um, he is being basically neglected at well, home. I was under the impression, and we're told we get to see the older brother in flashbacks. Yes. So they're flashbacks within a flashback. Yes. Um, and then sort of like these uh, fantasies that Jordy has. Gordy? Gordy. Gordy has. Um, the, it looks like Dad was kind of abusive whether or not there was a tragedy. I doubt Mom he was. seems to be kind of... When we first see Mom, she seems to be wandering through the yard, hanging clothes in line like a zombie. She's yes. not connected. She's not connected. She's But elsewhere. there's an er- another flashback where we get to see them all at a dinner table mm-hmm. and where Gordy's older brother is trying to bring attention to the fact that Gordy wrote a story. Yeah. Uh, Mom and Dad are arguing about whether or not he should be dating girls because Dad believes that dating girls yes. invites trouble. And he, the he we're talking about is Denny, not, right. uh, not Gordy. Uh, yeah, no. D- well... It's not even about trouble. It's about focus. He needs right. to focus on his game so that he can get his scholarship and go to So something tells me there's a significant problem between mom and dad to start with. It feels like 1959. 
it doesn't feel like they're hinting at anything other than 1959. Mm. But I could be wrong. Uh, the other, uh, so then we have Chris Chambers, who mm-hmm. is played by River Phoenix. Uh, the Chambers family is known as the family from the wrong side of the tracks in the whole town. Yeah. So he is seen as a thief and a liar, regardless of whether he is in fact a thief or a liar. And this frustrates him. He's very smart, uh, both, both emotional IQ and actual IQ. He is a smart kid, but he is poor. Yeah. He is abused by at least his older brother and his older, or and his father. And his older brother is Eyeball. Yeah. Which, what a great name. We'll get to him. We'll get to the older kids in a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is the uphill battle that uh, Chris faces. He figures, first of all, he really wants to leave Castle Rock because everybody thinks of him a certain way and he can't sort of feel, he feels like he can't get out from under that, but then he feels like, I don't have the means to get out of this. So right. he feels trapped. Even at 12, at 12, this is a child of 12 who's like, well, my whole life is fucked. Well, we learn later that there's a significant trauma that he had personally based on his family's reputation. Yes, we'll, so, we'll, we'll get, get into that, into that later, yes. Yeah. Then we have Teddy. This is the Corey Feldman character. Um Colloquially, colloquially, we would say he is the craziest of the bunch. Right. Uh, well, that's how he's introduced, the craziest yes, of our game. That is true. Uh, he is doing his best wise-ass motor mouth in this film, as you put it. Uh, he And it's Corey Feldman, king of the wise-ass motor mouth right, children. Right, he's right, really right. great. And uh, he is... The son of a person who came back from a father who came back from World War II with significant PTSD, mm-hmm. who in the book burned both of his ears All right. on the burners of their stove. In the movie, only one of them mm-hmm. um, is disfigured. So he does have um, hearing difficulties, okay. as well as he's wearing some thick Coke bottle glasses, which I'm pretty sure Corey Feldman just needed thick-ass glasses because he's wearing them until he's in his 20s in uh-huh. movies. So I think that's actually his his thing. But he, in the book, he has both vision and hearing troubles. Okay. Uh, he's also very quick to anger. He's obsessed with... The, his father stormed the beach at Normandy, which yes. is very heroic. Yes. Unfortunately, as we've seen from movies like, I don't know, Saving Private Ryan, that was mm-hmm. a hellscape. Yes, and so, yeah. He, he came, came back. back extraordinarily broken, and he's been in a sanitarium since he did did this disfiguring yes. thing to his child. Mm-hmm. So Teddy looks up to his father um, as a hero, while simultaneously having been horrifically uh, mutilated. mutilated by him. Mm-hmm. So that's complicated, and it's 1959, so you can bet he's not going to the correct therapist, right. or that the correct therapist even existed at the time. And finally, Vern. Oh, Vern. Vern is the one that brings the whole scheme to them. Vern is Jerry O'Connell. He says he was fat, and they may call him fat a couple of times. He's not. He's got a round baby face because he's 12 and has not grown out of being he a baby yet. He is what they used to call chunky. He was even be considered stocky, husky, I don't stocky, think. husky, There's a lot of Maybe. words back in the day for a kid like him. Um, they call him fat. I, he's not fat. He's not. But I also think that present-day Jerry O'Connell, who 
got real ripped because uh-huh. he was married to Gabriel Reese, Gabrielle Reese, uh-huh. which, yeah, get yourself in better shape because she is a specimen of health and athleticism. Uh, I think, I think also, looks back and is have, like, I wonder if this, well, he might have. Hmm. So I would propose that being remembered as the fat kid from Stand By Me. Yeah. No, that might, might have compelled yeah. him to. Not to mention he was a child actor, mm-hmm. and so I'm sure that they are constantly casting him as the fat. Will kid. body shame a child mm-hmm. because they will because they're. Terrible. I remember him not long after this doing a series, that, and I forget what the product was, where um, they did a series of television commercials advertising a product that might have been a food product. At where he was part of an ensemble of actors playing a family, almost as if you were watching a two-minute sitcom or a minute-long sitcom. Okay. And his big claim to fame at the time was he's the fat kid, literally was the That's fat terrible. kid from Stand By Me. He was, y'all, he's not he's really not that fat. fat. He's not. He is a kid that is still has his baby fat on him. Right. That's that's fucked up. So <laughs> we have those four kids, and but he's not too swift either. He's almost like the comic relief, the much-needed comic relief of this group of people because they're all very dramatic. It's a ragu spaghetti sauce commercial. Yeah, I thought it was something like that. But it was very odd. It was an odd concept, too, for an advertising campaign. We're just going to pretend like you're watching a sitcom. And there's canned laughter in the whole thing. Yeah, way back when. So these are the four. Oh, mm-hmm. and Vern is leaving aside his physicality for a moment. Uh-huh. He's what those in the South might might call touched. Or touched. <laughs> He's not the brightest crayon in the box. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, um, Chris is telling Gordy, you're gonna we're after this, we're all gonna splinter. You're not gonna be friends with us anymore mm-hmm. because we're gonna end up in the shop class and you're gonna end up in the college classes. Right. Um, they're going into middle school. And uh, Gordy rightfully says, you should come to the college classes with me. And they're uh-huh. like, he's like, they won't let me even if I, like, they won't let me. Because they think that I'm this thing, this cruddy right. criminal uh, from the wrong side of the tracks. So, uh, so Vern here is, <laughs> Vern hid a can full of pennies under his house and then in the movie, uh, his mom, a week later, cleaned out his room, threw the map away, and now he doesn't know where it is. Mm-hmm. And so he see him under the house digging, and there are holes <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> like, he's been looking for the last nine months for this can of pennies. And uh, in the book, it's indicated that his older brother had taken the map and swiped the pennies and they are not there anymore, which Vern does not want to admit to because he hates his brother and he doesn't want to feel like his brother outsmarted him. Uh, Here he's just seen as just confused and sad, (laughs) just looking for his pennies. Uh, And he's under there and he hears his older brother talking to uh, who his name. What's his older brother's name? Is that Ace? No. Ace is the psychopath, I think. Yes, Ace is uh, the inevitable 
Kiefer Sutherland, who mm. couldn't have been bleaching his hair in 1986, but looks to be have been bleaching his hair in 1986. So I don't know. It's confusing to me. But that's not who he hears. He hears mm. his older brother, Billy, and his friend and his brother's friend, Charlie, talking about how they found a body, but they can't tell anyone because they had boosted a car to get all the way out there. And if they mm-hmm. tell somebody that they were out there, they'd want to know how they got there because they don't have a car. And I'm like, you don't know anybody with a car? They're not too swift either. They're not. It's not. Yeah, no. Uh, and so he hears that and then he goes over to their uh, their little treehouse tree house situation, which I think probably definitely has a no girls allowed sign on the outside. It should. <laughs> and says... Hey everybody! He's so first of all he gets there and he's like, <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's so out of breath because he's run over here, and uh, they mock him. There's a lot of mocking. There's a lot of boys mocking boys in this movie. If that's gonna bother you, it's not the movie for you. <laughs> uh, there is some homophobic comments, mm-hmm. although way less than I would have uh, thought. This is something I should warn you about because I, we saw an edited for television take on this. Oh, did we? It was slightly edited. There was a lot more dick humor, as I remember it. Mm, okay. Um, so, but still not like your dick isn't as good as a dick should be. Not no, like no, if I'm looking at your dick and it's definitely a gay dick, that kind of thing. Which I can't remember any more a, homophobic humor. I remember thing. there's times when there was a, a dick joke that was had that wasn't um, that wasn't in this kind of it. Okay. But nothing significantly was cut from the film, as okay. far as I can remember. I did cover my eyes during one particular scene. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, and I don't know if that any of that was cut. <laughs> right. So, Vern finally spits out, hey guys, you want to go see a dead body? Right. I know where it is, and um, you, you say that you're sleeping over here, and you say I'll sleep over there, and then everybody thinks that they're at somebody else's house, mm-hmm. and we will... Follow the train tracks out, and it's like maybe 30 miles, right. which is wild. Now, I don't know if it's actually 30 miles or it's by their estimation 30 it's miles. It's true, although it ends up taking them a yeah. goodly amount of time to walk it. So um, they're like, fuck yes, let's do that. They all get bedrolls, um, and they say they're going to stay at various people's mm-hmm. houses, uh, like a shell game. And then they... It's, which is amazing, considering that your parents were just like, you'll disappear for two days, we're cool. This is a time when kids were more free-range. Uh-huh. Um, this, I actually just had this conversation with a friend of mine who just let his son, who is mm-hmm. nine, I want to say nine, mm-hmm. maybe ten, well, no, I think like nine. Uh, ride his bike to their grandparents' house, which is about a four block, uh-huh. four or five blocks, to pick up some butter. And this was the first time he'd ever been able to ride his bike by himself. Right. And I'm like, what is this, 1986? <laughs> and he's like, hey, this was a big deal. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm impressed that you let him do this because we do not let our children do this anymore. Right. Our children are within eyesight at all times. There's, But when I was a kid, it was get the fuck out of this house and I don't want to see you until it's dark. But if you were in this house three so, seconds after it's dark, I will beat the shit out of you. I had to, <laughs> I had to when I was a kid, spend... I had a more protected or sheltered childhood and I got to, unfortunately... Um, you were um, also in a more urban area right. where we are now. I was in a more rural area. And so these kids, what we did is that we never left the block that we were in. Okay. 
And so we would go up the block and there was a neighbor's a neighbor who did not particularly like all the kids because they would all sit on their uh, front lawn and ride bicycles up and down the street and things like that. Right. Now, mind you, I was one of the more sheltered ones. There were kids... Um, and this was in the 70s that right. we're talking about. There were kids. Now, you know where we live. Yes, I do. Right. So I used to live about two blocks away. That went down to... There's a local theater that's been converted into a church. You know where that is, right? Yes. They used to ride their bikes or walk down there in groups all the time to okay. watch movies. And that was about the limit. You know, if you were going to go mm-hmm. to the Grand Lake Theater, which is a few miles away, you had to go by car or in a group on a bus. But the furthest it would allow you to go on the bikes was about there. That was like the, the border. Oh, wow. Okay. It was very funny. See, I was in a much more rural area. Mm-hmm. And later, it yeah. was 1986, 1987, yeah. um, when I was six and seven years old. And it was, get out of the house, we don't want to see you. I mean, we had a big backyard, so mm-hmm. we could actually just be in the backyard, right. and that would be fine. Um, but yeah, we could go to the park, which was miles? Wow. Miles away from our house on a bike? Yeah, we would. we could go down... There was a bunch of just land, like mm-hmm. dirt roads and land that we could just ride on. And I remember taking a header on over the Oof. the uh over my handlebars right. and then having to fucking limp ass home right. like always. Uh, <laughs> right? like, yeah, Cuz we didn't have phones. It was like well, you got yourself under control, you made right. sure that all of your pieces were attached and then you went home <laughs> just limped What home. worked in this community was that everybody knew everybody. Yeah. And so And we had people looking out right. like yeah, for like, us, and so. then, uh, to explain to the non-colored uh, people in the audience, there's a habit that colored people have, all of us, of sitting on the porch and just minding yes. all the you other kids You see all the, the kids go by, and then if one of them so-and-so. disappears, right. it was 4.45 the last mm. time I saw him running around here right. like an asshole. <laughs> I saw him yes, go so up we, the we street. All did. Everyone yep. was on the porch, you waved to everyone, you knew who they were, um... We had an across-the-street neighbor that recently left Tamari. Yes. Who, that was her official yep. job, just say, what are you doing out here? What time of night mama are you going tea. home? I'm going to call, yeah, Mama T. Mama T, yes, ma'am. I will ma'am. call your mama right now to make sure that you got home okay, so uh, yeah. you better go straight home. Say, yes. There were people who did that. And so, yeah, the idea that even when you were away from home, you behaved yourself. There were yourself adult eyes on you. There were eyes on you. Yep. Uh, it was a local minister. It was the people from the church. It was the people from the school. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of... Also, we're right across the street right. from the, the school. The community so. was the community. Everybody knew each yeah. other. So, yeah. And sadly, that kind of thing has gone away. But um, in yeah. this case, the idea that you disappear for two days... Disappear. They leave... And nobody I knows guess where it are. would be a Saturday night. Nobody calls everybody. Sat- or Saturday afternoon. Right. And they figure they can be back by Sunday night. Mm-hmm. They said, if we leave now... Uh-huh. Uh, we can make it back, or we've got until dinner tomorrow before anybody needs to be anywhere. The fact and that they do not make it back, <laughs> that is not discussed. Their story, the story they tell, we're going to go to like the stock car races or something. Yes, uh, we're I'm all going to sleep at X and Y's house right. so that it's never at, at yeah. this house. Um, and then we're going to go to the stock car races tomorrow because it's Labor Day weekend and I'm there's like, like a little fair or whatever. Well, but I think it's like a... Like a community yeah, every time festival I see a type yeah, situation. Out, like, wow. that guy's a serial killer, definitely. Probably. He also hasn't washed his hair in three years. 
But it's, it's you want to wash your hair in a porta potty? You don't. No. You do not want to do that. So that's their plan. We've got until we got until dinner tomorrow before mm-hmm. we need to make ourselves appear again, right. so we can get there and back for sure. Nah. They're very ill prepared for this trip. They are very ill prepared. So they're walking, they're walking, they're walking, and Fern is finally like, "I'm starving. Who got the food?" And then they all look at each other, and of course, nobody brought any food. But Chris brought a gun, so, you know, just in case. What you get from the personalities is that Chris is really good at, he's a little mischievous. He's the one who brought the gun. Yes. He uh, gives it to Gordy, who quickly, you know, playing. Now, and this is something that I had to, I think, explain to you that also was something for the audience at the time. They're constantly referencing television shows they are. and slogans. They're singing the theme song to a show called Paladin. Paladin which was Richard Boone uh, playing, and really, it, it's hard to even describe it to people now because it's so far removed. It was a Western show about um, a guy who had been a former gunfighter who now does good. He has a car to have gun, will travel. Right. And, you know, if you have a problem, he'll fix it. It got rebooted in the 80s as The Equalizer. Where Edward oh. Woodward from The Wicker Man played a former CIA agent. And then rebooted in the 2000-somethings right. as The Equalizer with Denzel Washington. And it's the same plot. It's a guy who was a spook in the government who decided that he's going to use his powers for good, so he takes out an ad in the paper, and if you need help, you call The you Equalizer. You call him. Gotcha, gotcha, So gotcha. this is the exact same show, only set in the Old West. Okay. Um, and there was a lot of army and uh, combat was a big show. Things like that, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of shows. So there's the a lot World of War. pow, pow, pow right. guns, and that's um, why everyone's fascinated with the guns. Everyone. So knows how Gordy to use one. is like, "Oh, is it loaded?" And Chris says, "No." And then, of course, he pulls the trigger, and it <laughs> is definitely loaded. It freaks out. They run away. He's pissed. Gordy is pissed at Chris, right. and Chris is like, "No, seriously, like, legitimately, I did not know it was loaded. Like, mm-hmm. I did. It wasn't a trick," um, which I believed. Right. And Gordy believed. Um, and then they run into fucking Ace and Eyeball. Now, Eyeball is uh, Chris's older Chris's brother. brother who has some kind of defective eyeball. I, I guess. And he takes Gordy's hat, which is a hat that Denny had given to them. Now, these kids are older. They're high schoolers, maybe. Yeah. Maybe just out of high school. Maybe like 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're hoodlums. They think they're a gang. Whatever. Well, sort of the other kids think they're, they're ha- gang. Well, yes, but not as not We're using to the our term extent. gang loosely. Uh, although I would argue that it's more of a fraternal organization of greasers. I think yes, that's what it is. they want to be the Jets or the Sharks, whichever. Right. Well, I don't know. The Sharks are Puerto Rican, so they're closer so the to the Jets. Then. Right? Um, and they're led up by Kiefer Sutherland, who's just a dick. And well, a dick and a guy with a death wish. There's a lot of. There's a lot of despair in this movie among the characters. Yeah, he does have a death wish. He's just like this small town thing is 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 not for me, but there's right. also nothing out in the world for me, so I guess there's nothing for me. This life right. isn't for me. So I'm going to take what I can take. There is a point where you see these dudes playing mailbox baseball, which is just being an asshole. Now, at the time when this film was released, there was a real controversy about showing that scene because they felt that on rural roads this happens often enough and they felt it was just giving people who'd never heard of it ideas. No, you're either going to do that or you're not going to do it. Nobody is going to see that in a movie and be like, oh, I'm going to do that. (laughs) They've already done it. What was was the football movie where there there was a 
kind of oh, a gag. Let's, we don't need to. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Mm. But it was similar to that controversy where it's just, you know. Are we giving are, people the, the, the idea yes. to do this? Which is, the, yeah, no, but I'm just looking at it going, you're going to fuck up your shoulders. <laughs> like hitting yeah, a stationary object with, these, with uh, a like, bat while uh, in a vehicle is bad for your body. Right. Well, yes. These guys are also. It's a dick thing to do. Don't all do that. Kind of short-term thinkers. Yes. Yeah. That's fair. So, but Eyeball steals Gordy's hat, uh-huh. who he says is a gift from Denny. The uh, the older kids know that Denny died. Right. So why the fuck would you torment this child like because this? Because they resent who he was. I think. You think Denny, that's what it is? Denny was the golden boy. Yeah, but. And Denny's they, dead, so y'all won. Making comments about, well, I hope you got you, what you don't play football. I, you know, your your brother was amazing. Yeah, yeah, football. he's constantly. But I hope you got some of your brother's common sense. Like everyone he knew, what a good right, kid Denny right. was. But so these this group these, of screw ups, these screw ups, right? I outlived him. Right. So you win. So why do you need to torment his little brother, who's a child? Like, what are you doing? you got to torment somebody. No, That's part of don't. being a hoodlum. Ugh, I hate it. I was just like, <laughs> That's no, That's why this you're not a hoodlum. Clearly. So they meet up with Teddy and Vern, and they get yeah. on the road. And, oh, yes, yeah, so they're, Vern wants some food, and they don't have any food. So they, they pull their pocket money. Vern's only got seven cents, and they just look at him, and he's like, I can't find my pennies. <laughs> and then they draw straws. Did they draw straws twice because they forgot to cut one? um, Or was that a different thing we were watching? That's a different thing where they're flipping coins. Oh, okay. And they get a a gooch or a mooch or what's it called? Oh, that's right. It's a gooch where it's all tails. Right. Four people draw tails at the same time. That's That's right. No, it was this. It was the the same thing. And then they do it again. Yes, Teddy thinks that this is terrible luck and they're all going to die. Yeah. um, Because of it. And uh, No, that was Vern. Vern no. thinks it was Ter- wasn't it Vern? Uh, no, I thought it, no, it was Teddy. Okay, it was Teddy. All right, it was Teddy. I'm a hundred percent sure it was Teddy. It was probably Vern. <laughs> <laughs> so they end up flipping again, and Gordy has to go get go get the food. Now, the context of this is that they're hanging out at a an auto wrecking yard or a salvage yeah, yard. Yeah, it's a salvage yard or um uh and there's what do they call it like um. Yeah, I guess salvage yard is fine. And so there is a dog there that's legendary. Yeah, he gets been... there. His name is Chopper. He gets there at three. Uh-huh. Um, so you can't be there after three. I don't know why they're there now because right. it's getting close to three apparently. And uh, this ball or this dog is uh, famous. This ball. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a reason I'm going to say ahead. that. You say it. There's a reason that this dog is famous and it is because the thing that the owner yells is sick balls uh-huh. and then apparently he, he grabs your drunk and rips it off of your body is that a, is the fear that they yes, are it's a fear that they have. they have now he goes off buys a bunch of uh, ground meat Gordy, Gordy does mm-hmm. ground beef some buns mm-hmm. some cokes but I, no Pez. That's all we see. We don't see any Pez. No, there's no desserts. Vernon complains about that's lack so, of Pez. He comes back. And well, first of all, he comes back and they're not there anymore. And he sees them hightailing it over this fence. Right. And then he hears Milo, the 
dude that runs the place and the dog and he's and he here and he just fucking starts taking off running towards the gate now at this point this child yes he's trespassing but he is clearly leaving right. so just let him go but no milo says sick him chopper and he's and in the voiceover we hear richard driver said say he said sick him chopper but what i heard was sick balls and I ran like my fucking life depended on it. And he does, he gets up and over. And then they look back and the dog is a, is a scruffy golden retriever. <laughs> like it's not. Who actually, once he's not Who like then lays them. down and like rubs, it, rubs himself in the dirt. And then he will bite though. Like uh-huh. because Teddy like turns around and like shows him his ass up against the fence. Right. And the dog bites his shirt through the fence. I'm like, well, I still wouldn't. Yeah. Taunt this dog, but yeah, it's a golden retriever. It's not he's so it's like it's it's noted that what kids fear mm-hmm. and the stories they tell each other are often very different than the realities uh that they face. Uh and then they are following the rail railroad tracks. There's a standoff between Teddy and a train. Uh-huh. Uh he says he's gonna he says he's going to dodge it, and Chris ends up pulling him off of the right. tracks. And, see, and there's another example of someone who, like, as I said, there's a lot of existential despair in this town. Yeah. Teddy is suicidal. Um, Without really knowing Ace it. is suicidal. Yeah. You know, the, the point where we were talking about the baseball, uh, with the, uh, the mailbox baseball, is that he winds up going... Competing against another car. Right. Later, the, mm. the, the older boys, because they can't, they, they go less than 36 hours right. keeping their secret, and then all of the older kids realize that there's a body out there, and they want to be the heroes who find it. Because so being they're going to go out. Is the most important Right. Thing. They're going to go out and, and uh, find the body right. and then report it back. Um, so they all head out there, and on the drive, Ace is driving top down in a, in a convertible, and he pulls up next to another dude that they clearly know. Mm-hmm. And then they're gonna play, they're gonna drag race down this long stretch, and they're neck and neck. It's a two lane road. The two lane road, and then a truck, a hay bale, a hay truck, I think yeah. it is coming is coming, and Ace is in the wrong lane, and so the other kid doesn't slow down. Figures, well, I've got this beat, and mm-hmm. everybody in Ace's car feels like he, you know, fall back and get behind him, and Ace is like, no, and he does not blink, and he very well could have killed all of them. But the truck swerves off of the road, and a bunch of shit falls off like it's terrible. But he wins, and that's what he says. I won, and he's very calm about it. And everybody in the car not calm, (laughs) not calm about it. Uh, So yeah, he definitely is like, if I die, I die. But I'm not gonna lose. Yep. Which is for what? Whatever. It's fine. you don't understand chicken, just and like then, you don't understand being a hoodlum. I, I don't, think you're I so, don't so deficient it. in these things. Um, and then we also have a, uh, they have to cross a bridge mm-hmm. on the train tracks. Right. They don't know when the next train is coming. So they're going. The kids, though. And yes, they're going and they've split up where Teddy and Chris are walking ahead. Mm-hmm. And Vern and Gordy are walking behind. Although Vern is crawling because he is afraid of heights. On his hands and knees. On his hands. No, that's what on crawling is. Ties. So he's going, and then the train starts coming. And Chris and Teddy are able to clear the bridge. But it does not look like Vern and Gordy are going to be able to do that. Um, You know, 
Vern's like, I don't want to get up, I'll fall. And Gordy's mm-hmm. like, falling is the least of your fucking concerns at this point. They end up making it to the end, and Gordy pushes Vern off of the tracks, and they go down a little bit of the embankment, but they uh-huh. cleared the 100-foot drop to the river. Oh, but Vern did drop the comb that he brought. Vern's one big um, contribution to the stuff of the trip is that he brought a comb so that they could comb their hair and look nice on television when they're interviewed for being heroes for finding this. this. Oh, so the whole thing is that this kid that's their age went missing three days ago mm-hmm. and hasn't been seen. And that's the body that they are going to find. His now, name what is year Ray. are we in? Um... 1959. Okay. All right. So here's the thing. Uh-huh. There was a TV show at the time. It just came to me, 77 Sunset Strip. There was a character, this actor, named Cookie. Um, his one of his characteristics was he was constantly flipping his comb out of his pocket and brushing his hair. Oh, back okay. Well, they to say the, to right. Vern, "Why did you even bring this? Because Vern's got a buzz cut. Right. So you don't even have any hair." And he goes, "I brought it for you guys." Because he's very caring. But yeah, as a matter of fact, the character even had a song, a hit song called "Cookie, Let Me Borrow Your Comb." That was a huge hit in 1959. So I'm going. Oh, okay, I just got that there's a correlation. Maybe, yeah. Then, But as he's crawling on the railroad ties, uh, it's in his front pocket, front shirt and pocket, it and it just falls out feet. and goes all the way down into the river. And he looks back and he goes, I lost the comb. And it's very sad. He's, he's really focused on just one or two particular things that are never the things that he should be focused on at any given time. Yes. And frankly, I really like him as a guy. He's, yes, he's, he's endearing. He's kind of a stand-up guy. For sure. Not right, but he's kind of a stand-up guy. So the there is he's also complaining about I don't there's no desserts, there's mm-hmm. no Twinkies, there's no campfire goods and Will Wheaton has my favorite line in the whole movie where he was like, I'm so sorry, perhaps the more experienced shopper could have done more with right, your seven so, cents. Was really... And I was just like, fucking burn. <laughs> and it's so well, like it is. Very well played. It's very well played. It's But the way that he says it is exactly the way that a child who is good with words right. starts putting together right. these things and writing about the right age, I was like, that is the truest to a young writer sentence uh-huh. that we get through this whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the way that he phrased it, I was just like, fucking sick, Vern. <laughs> like, I want to import sure that, that Vern, shit on a pillow. I'm not sure that Vern is aware of how no, badly he's been burned. No, but it was so good. I don't even care. So I'm guessing that there was a lot of improvisation with the kids? I don't know. I because don't know they are really natural in their parts. They are really natural. And it gives you the impression that River Phoenix was one of those impossibly cool kids that you meet every once in a while. Yeah. Who just has their shit together. And and they they really, all of this, all of it, no one is straining to reach their characterization in this film. Everyone kind of has it nailed. Uh, we saw um, the uh, adaptation of um, A Wrinkle in Time not too long ago. And the youngest of the two children, at times, they seemed to be forcing him to get his dialogue mm-hmm. out. He was a little young for the part, but he was, you know, he was the, the age of the character in the book, just slightly older, actually. Um, 
And so there was times where you could tell, oh, they're forcing it. But these kids just fell into their parts so naturally. And they really did look like they were friends. Like they weren't struggling to try to be familiar with each other. Yeah, I'll tell you. Rather than starting shooting right away, Mm -hmm. uh, Rob Reiner put the four main actors together for two weeks to play games from Viola Spolin's Improvisation for Theater, which Reiner calls the Bible of theater games, and build camaraderie, which led to a real friendship between them and several one-shot takes where the young actors hit their cues perfectly. Wheaton would recall, when you saw the four of us being comrades, that was real life, not acting. Um, And uh, he would interview, like he would talk to each of the kids in their characters. And so like Jerry O'Connell agrees that he was gassed based on how his personality fit the role, saying Rob really wanted us to understand our characters. He interviewed our characters. I tried to stay like Vern and say the stupid things Vern would. I think that I was Vern that summer. They inter- The producers, Ryan and the producers interviewed more than 70 boys for the four main roles out of more than 300 to audition. Uh, and Phoenix, River Phoenix originally read for Gordy Lachance. He could have done it. Um, but that would have... Cut- I think that he was so good as uh-huh. that broken... Down yeah. kid. He was. He was. Well, very he was good. playing almost like, like a middle-aged man with regrets, and but with no sort of emotional filter. The, nearly every no no every boy in this film breaks down in tears at least one part at one point in the movie, and so it was capturing that kind of raw thing before you learn how to hide all that right. stuff. Right. And Rob Reiner. This is a quote from uh, Will Wheaton in t- uh-huh. 2011 with NPR found four young boys who basically were the characters we played. I was awkward and nerdy and shy and uncomfortable in my own skin and really, really sensitive. River was cool and really smart and passionate and even at that age kind of like a father figure to some of us. Jerry was one of the funniest people I'd ever seen in my life, either before or since. And Corey was unbelievably angry and an incredible amount of pain and had an absolutely terrible relationship with his parents, which leads to this. Feldman recalled how his home life translated to on-screen Korean character. Most kids aren't thinking they're going to get hit by their parents because they're not doing well enough in school, which will prevent them from getting a work permit, which will prevent them from being an actor. It Mm. sounds like his parents were relying on him as income. Yeah. Which is a lot to put on a child. Uh, Yeah. And, yeah, his life is... Yeah, I know. It's heartbreaking because he was from that generation of young actors and I was more... They were younger than I was. This was, like I said, the year that I graduated high school. But yeah, they were about four years younger than they you. They were, which is a big difference. Yeah. When you're that age. Mm-hmm. Four years is a huge difference. Well, think about, was, what, did your father serve in Vietnam or no? I mean, that's yeah. a, that's a yeah. big, yeah. that's but a I big mean, difference. When you're that's a big kids, difference. There's, <sighs> when you're an adult mm-hmm. and you're dating, right? Four years is Four not years a is no, no. When it's you're not. a teenager, mm-hmm. it's a, it's the difference between a child and a young adult. And I would argue it depends on mm-hmm. the four years. Right. Well, this was the basis for uh, the film Man on the Moon with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. A big breakthrough part is the fact that I don't feel like I'm 13 and this boy is 15 and it's like two and a half years apart, but it's a world of difference. Uh, when yeah, you're you guys are not the same, right. in the same place. Yeah. You're not in the same area of your life. When I was watching this, these kids, they were really cool to my nephew at the time. Like, these were the kids he looked up to. And I just sort of, I really liked 
Corey Feldman. I thought that his kind of, like I said, wise-ass motor mouth thing, yeah. he nailed that, and he did it really, really and well. And you told me you had not seen The Goonies, but then you told me you had seen The Goonies. Have you seen The Goonies or not? I don't remember, to be honest. Okay. I don't know that I've seen all of it. Because if you like that, mm-hmm. that's like one of the yeah. things, right? So, uh, let's get back to the... So, we've got the nighttime. They're uh-huh. camping out overnight. With um, an ar- armed with a gun. <laughs> eating, yes. They're, well, because they hear what's probably coyotes. Yeah. I don't know what's in the wilds of Oregon. Uh, but they're sounds, and so they take—they might be wolves. Uh, yeah, no, that's right. Not in Maine necessarily. In, I don't know. In 1959, yeah, there might be wolves. Right. Um, so they do take turns staying up with the gun. Some of that is a terrible idea. Some of it is a good idea. Well, giving a gun to Vern is never a good no. idea. He's terrified. He, he's so scared. Gordy has a nightmare uh-huh. and wakes up, and then goes and sits with Chris, who's on. Uh, on watch, and that's when we hear Chris's story. Now, previously, we'd heard, God, I wish your friends were as good as Denny's friends. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's nothing wrong with my friends. And he's like, well, Chris Chambers stole that money. But this is his dad talking to Yeah, mm-hmm. Chris Chambers stole that money. I don't... He's a thief? So that... he's a thief to me. Right. And I can't remember where the money was from. No, the money was milk money. Which is a concept what that we that can mean? It's a, like a communal lunch money thing. Okay. Uh, it meant something different in 1950. Some, and I can't even reach back that far to understand what it meant. So what has happened is he did take it, but he felt bad. So he returned it in full to a teacher uh-huh. who then used it, spent it, and right. blamed him. And he lost, he, he got, got suspended. He got suspended. Right. Um, and is, of course, marked a thief. And she got a new skirt out of it. And he's just like, I didn't ever believe that a teacher would can sell me out like that. I love that scene because it's... it was done in kid language. Yeah. Because the... And, and this is... It's little things to me that impress me, right, with performances. When Will Wheaton does that, oh, that's right. It was... had dots on, That sounded like such a yes. kid realization, yeah, yeah, kid yeah. moment. Yeah. Like, wow, that felt very authentic. And that's yeah. what makes this movie work. A lot of it feels really authentic. Yeah. And and, and just yeah. the... Like, this is... Chris is like, I'm fucked. Right. Like, the system is legitimately against me. I'm. It's not in my head. I tried to do the right thing. Yeah. And I was set up the river by a teacher. A teacher, right. who I'm supposed to... Because to their world, the teachers, you know, the teachers, the parents, the, you know... The They're the, the ones town, that protect the, the children. Minister, those like, are all yeah. the communities, so it's like yeah. the community turned on you. Now, before this, and then uh, uh-huh. Gordy goes back to bed. Before this, I forgot, we get a tale from Gordy. Now, uh, Gordy tells stories, and we know that... I don't know, I'm not going to tell the whole story. Um... We know that Dennis was a champion of him and said, I really like your stories. You should keep mm-hmm. writing. And he hasn't been writing really since Denny died. Right. Uh, Chris says that you need to keep it up. It's it's what makes you special. And if you don't do it, then it's just a waste. Right. Which is like a grown-up ass thing to say to somebody at the age of 12. And But he tells them the story. It's a, It's 
the barfarama. I'm not going to go into it. There's pie. There's a castor oil. Trigger warning chug, for people who don't like vomit. And yes, not for emetophobes. Right. At this point, uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm you covered your the screen. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I will say I the way that this. it is filmed, it uh, doesn't look like vomit. Right. It just looks like. That somebody like from the side put a hose of blue liquid or like uh-huh. purple liquid and shot it out like it is this stream mm-hmm. of liquid. It's not chunky. It's not the wrong like, and it's all blueberry colored. So it's not as bad as it could have been. Right. Um, but that's the story he tells. It's a revenge story. Now you have to stuff. say about the criticism because I thought that was really funny. Hmm. At the very end of the story, oh yes, he gets criticism, and I'm thinking he's like, then what? Stephen King, the writer, yeah, addressing oh, this his is 100%, critics, yes, especially and then, especially Vern, in 1982. Vern is the guy, the dolt, yeah. is the one who says it needed a better ending. Now ending. Stephen King is notoriously bad with endings, bad with endings, and it felt like he's this like, is his that's dig. it, that's the story. <laughs> right. Now I don't think. A vignette like that needs an ending. Like uh-huh. a short... No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Mm-mm. Novels of several <laughs> hundred pages need an ending. So <laughs> there is a little bit of a difference there. Right, but. but I felt that there was specifically being that this is Stephen King and this is the complaint that he gets even yeah. then. Yeah. That there was kind of a dig at who yeah. his critics were. <laughs> yeah, they're the dumbest guys in the group. Yeah. So they wake they up... another ending. This must be Sunday morning. Uh-huh. They've got until dinner time to get home. They're still a ways away. They decide rather than following the railroad tracks, they're going to cut through a field. It's going to cut off like 20 miles of the, of the tri- or 10 miles of the trip. So they cut across the field, and then they end up in a bog, a swamp. And they take, <laughs> this is my favorite fucking thing, too. They take a stick and they put it like, one foot out from the right. edge, and they're like, oh, it's not deep. We could definitely walk across it. They take two steps and are just deep in water. This and is I'm one like, of the best sight gags in the movie. It's so, because it's, it's all at the same time, too. Right. Like, to get, they're not like, let's do this one at a time. Now, fuck it. One, two, bloop, all of them in the water. And then they're, you know, splashing each other. And then they're like, okay, let's get out of the water. They get out of the water. And then you've got something on your neck. Oh, no. There are leeches in the water. And this is the scene I remember. There are leeches. They get all the leeches. They're pulling leeches off of each other. And then, of course, Will Wheaton looks into his tidy whities And there's a leech where no man wants a leech to be. Nope. We're no, yes, nope. He pulls the leech off, and he pulls it out. You don't see any of his... Like, he's a child. We don't see anything. Right. You just see the leech and blood on his hands, and then he passes out. And I was like, correct. Uh, Which is very consistent. He's very high-strung young That is what would happen. Um, And they end up, you know, that's it. That's that's the leech incident. Then end up getting to the road where they know it's off of, Mm -hmm. and they're walking together. And most of the time when they're they're split up in pairs walking, it's Chris and Gordy walking and Vern and Teddy walking. So Mm -hmm. they split up in that path, and they're looking off, they're looking off to the side, and they, uh, they find him. Gordy did not see the body of his brother. So this is the first dead body. It's not the first death he's dealt with, but it's the first dead body that he's dealt with. Uh, There's a very nice voiceover. He wasn't Mm -hmm. sleeping. He wasn't passed out. This, he was dead. 
they knocked they, uh, it knocked him out of his shoes. His shoes had been knocked off his body. He he'd been hit by a train, right. which they had also been, all almost been hit by a train repeatedly. I'm like these trains need to slow the fuck it down. It was pretty common back in the day. I guess, I but what? And still in rural areas, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I had uh, my grandfather lost his leg trying to jump. A Not train. so much rural areas either, because yeah. Cal Poly loses students mm. semi regularly. Because they think they can beat the train to get mm. across to go to class. Nope, you can't. Yeah, the train I was, is almost always going As I said, grandfather lost a leg. I, my mom almost got hit by a train crossing tracks when she was a kid. I have been in two train accidents, one of which actually was, did somebody got killed in. So it's, uh, yeah. it's still a little creepy to me. I yeah. <laughs> don't particularly like trains. I like being on them. I don't like being around them. Yeah. So Gordy is traumatized, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he and he is processing his grief, and he starts crying. And he's asking why Denny had to die, and why his father has to hate him, and why he's worthless. It should have been him. Mm-hmm. His dad thinks it should have been right. him. And, he and this was the nightmare that he had as well. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then Chris says that his father doesn't hate him. He doesn't know you. He doesn't hate you because he doesn't. He just doesn't know you. Right. Uh, and then meanwhile, here we go, Ace and the hoodlums roll up, and they want to fucking fight these 12-year-olds. Hey, it does not make you look like a man to beat up a child. <laughs> hey, if I don't know who needs to hear this today. You don't look like a badass when you beat up a tiny child. Now, Vern takes off almost immediately. Yeah, Vern, is, Vern knows that he's going to get his ass kicked, and right. is not interested, thanks. And Teddy stays a little bit longer because he's talking smack to the the guys. Yeah. But when Ace pulls out a switchblade to yep. attack a twelve year old, then Teddy sees that discretion is a better part of valor. Pulls out a switchblade and is attacking Chris. Right. And looks like he puts the knife to Chris's oh, well, he, throat. He would completely kill him. He which would is do it. wild because they are standing over the body of another twelve year old. Not to mention. Chris's brother is right behind him. Yes, doing nothing. So and good he job, seems eyeball. To be having some kind of issue with it. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, but I think that they are like aces mm-hmm. too far. Yeah, gone. Nobody for us wants to, to interrupt yeah. what he's doing. Uh, and Gordy pulls out the gun and fires it into the air. No, pulls out the gun and then Ace is like, "You wouldn't fire right. it," and he does. He fires it. Everyone in this town has a death wish. And then, and then the older kids leave. Uh huh. And the younger kids also leave. They're not going to bring the body mm-hmm. back. They're just going to leave him. And they end up walking back. And they end up walking all night. And they get home at like 5 o'clock the next morning. Like they roll right. into town as sun's coming up. And then they splinter off. And um, they're like, you know, see you in school, basically, because it's Labor Day. Right. So... They're probably going to be in trouble. <laughs> they have school tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, then we see... It, now, this is a scene that's common in Stephen King's stories. The kids peel away. The same thing happened in yeah. It. One kid goes off, and the two kids are the most bonded. Yeah, stay until the end. But you And uh-huh. you, get, you get the voiceover, and we'll talk about what happened in the movie, and then right, I will talk about what happened in the, in the book. book. So um, in the movie, Gordy writes that Vern married his high school sweetheart, had four children, and became a forklift operator at the lumberyard, which is what I said to I was like, he needs to get a skill, mm-hmm. like go to those shop classes and get right. a skill that will carry you through. Because 
you're got not no ambitions. A, you've you got, right. but also he seems like he'd be a great dad, though. I think he would be a great dad. Awesome. He needs a job that is roads uh-huh. and will pay him steady right. and will let him go home at the end of the night and hang out with his kids and his wife. Right. Yes, that's that, right. Totally. I can um, see that. Teddy tried several times to join the army, but his eyes and ear kept him out. He spent some time in jail and then was doing odd jobs around Castle Rock at this mm-hmm. point. Hey, kid, where are all the cool parties? And Chris ended up taking the college classes with Gordy. Uh, he struggled, but persevered. He went to college, went to law school, became a lawyer. Then while attempting to break up a fight in a restaurant, he was stabbed to death. Which is like, that is the precipitating story that Gordy has seen uh-huh. to tell us this story. Now, he is, in the course of this film, constantly breaking up fights between other kids. He is. And, He's uh, a peacemaker. Bringing Teddy down a lot. Yeah. Skin it. That's his thing. Skin it, yeah. And then they do a real slow high five. Gross. Okay. Snail. Um, gross, but go ahead. And then the final, and he's typing at this point. Richard Dreyfus was seeing typing it on a uh, very old computer uh, in his office. Um, his kids want to go to the pool, or his kid and his kid's friend want to go to the pool, and he's like, I'm coming. And they're like, you said that half an hour ago. Your dad's so weird. Yeah, he gets like that when he's writing. So he's become a writer. Uh-huh. And the closing lines are, I never had any friends later on like the ones I had when I was 12. Jesus, does anyone? And that's the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in the book, uh, it's not a flashback. It's told all in that time, and then there are flash age. forwards. Okay. Um, but what ends up happening to the the final two chapters describe the fates of Gordy's three friends, none of whom survived past young adulthood. Vern is killed in a house fire after a party in 1966, so he would have been 18. Mm. Teddy, well under the influence of alcohol and drugs, crashes his car in 1972, killing himself and his passengers. And then Chris, who became an outstanding high school and college student in his second year of law school, is fatally stabbed, mm. trying to stop, stop an argument in a fast food restaurant. So he is killed earlier. Okay. Then um, he dies in the movie, but in the same way. Mm-hmm. But the, the other two do not come to good fate. So Gordy is the only survivor. Um, and there's an incident with Ace, right? Oh, yeah. In the, in the movie, or in the book, he goes, after, after the, they go see the body and they get back, um, the older boys decide to uh, phone in the location as an anonymous tip, and it's found by the authorities. And then some days after the confrontation, Ace and Fuzzy, which is a character that we uh-huh. didn't see here, but one of the Might gang... Might be one of the unnamed gang. Right. Break Gordy's nose and fingers and kick him in the testicles and are on the verge of harming him more seriously when they are run off by Gordy's neighbor, Aunt Evie Ch- Chalmers, who I think is a character in other things. Oh, okay. That name is familiar. Eyeball breaks his brother's arm and leaves his face looking like Canadian sunrise. I don't know what that <laughs> know means. What that means. Uh, and Teddy and Vern get less severe beatings, but uh, the boys refuse to identify their assailants to the authorities, and there are no further repercussions. So, I thought there is a point in the future where they confront. Um, Ace. Oh, the story ends with Gordy visiting Castle Rock and seeing Ace, realizing that he managed to escape the town and is finally able to make okay. peace with the painful memories of his childhood. 
It doesn't say because whether they talk. That makes more here. sense because Ace, his final line to the kids is, "This isn't over." Um, as he's backing away from the kid with the gun. So, yeah, I, I wondered what yes. happened after that. Right. Yeah, Ace very clearly says, "I'm gonna fucking kill you. I'm right. gonna kill all of you." Uh, there is an accusation on the short story of plagiarism. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of Stephen King, George McLeod, has said that King cribbed the idea from a short story that he had written, but um, Stephen King has um, disputed that. Uh, and McLeod sued for some royalties, which ended their friendship. Mm. And since then, Stephen King doesn't read manuscripts okay. from fans or friends. He is concerned there may be further accusations of plagiarism. And when you write as much as he does, I right. cannot blame him. It's like sending an unsolicited script to a TV studio. Don't do that, guys, because if they ever make anything like that, like they'll never look at it because if they ever make anything even remotely like it, you will sue them and right. they, they don't need it. So they, they just don't look at unsolicited stuff. Um, they being everybody pretty much. So uh, this movie was nominated for a Academy Award for Best Screenplay, Adapted Screenplay. And two Golden Globes for screenplay and director. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. Golden Globe for best director and Golden Globe for best motion picture drama. Independent Spirit Award nominations for screenplay director and best film. Um, National Board of Review Awards for the top ten films. Best screenplay from the WGA, which is pretty good. Uh, adapted screenplay mm -hmm. and the Directors Guild of America Outstanding Director nomination for a feature film. It won none of those things. <laughs> so, what did you feel about the movie? I thought it was fantastic. Um, it was a real step up from Maximum Overdrive. Ooh, was it? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Can't argue with that. Uh, I think the casting that well first of all rob reiner is a very good director now mind like, you he's he only done director. a couple of films before that and the, the original director was supposed to be somebody else um who i can't imagine that director uh adrian len that given his choice of material that he would be good at directing this movie this is very kind of sensitive and he's very kind of visual and and frankly, most of his movies are sort of have a lot of erotic content, so I'm not sure how it would work out in this case. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so I, at this point, he directed a lot of television, mm -hmm. um, which is probably, yeah, it's definitely and what if how... He did, did he do All in the Family? He had he, done a lot of All in the Family. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looks like... Oh, wait. Oh, I'm looking at his acting. Hold on. Oh, Rob Reiner. Show me your directing credits. I'm lying. I lied. I take it back. <laughs> um, he'd done two TV movies at this point. And then this is Spinal Tap, uh -huh. The Sure Thing, and then Stand By Me. The Sure Thing with John Cusack, I think, was it? Uh, I, I don't so. know that movie. So maybe? Yep. It is. And Daphne Zuniga and Anthony Edwards. What? Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a very <laughs> sweet movie. I remember it. Not all of it, but I remember it. 
so he, um, and then he went, like, he did Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men. Mm-hmm. Those are his next groups. Right. And then he did North, which is a weird movie. And then The American President, which I've seen probably uh, two seen dozen it. times. Yeah. I love it so much. I was so busy trying to keep my job, I forgot to do my job. Oh, it's some good, it's some good, good president nonsense. Uh, also, it's how I know that the flower of Virginia is the dogwood. It's a flower and a tree. All right, I'll stop quoting that's, the American okay, president. Well, that's cheating, but all right. Well, it's it's literally both. It's so, two but, different yeah. things. <laughs> well, but what was your feeling about the movie overall? Because when when this came out, there was an interesting conversation that broke out mm-hmm. at school, which is that the movie meant a lot more to boys than it did to girls. I think that feels right because there are no girls in this movie. But there are no that there's one woman with uh, a speaking part. Okay, and that's his mom, who is catatonic, nearly catatonic in mm. one of the scenes that she's in and goading her son to date a pretty girl for prettiness mm-hmm. in the other scene that she's in. So I feel like it was there wasn't a lot of discussion about the emotional life of boys at this age at that time. I think that's fair. And so boys, the guys I knew identified with it a lot, especially with and this is something that's leaving the world now, but the notion that you never discussed your emotions. Yeah. And the only ones that you discussed your emotions with were your very closest friends. Right. Although, I would argue that boys should watch this so they know it's okay to discuss their emotions. Because they do. Oh, no, this they, isn't a movie of, that, that in any way endorses the notion of, of stoic masculinity. No. It's a movie that, that actually... It really shows right. how that's going to fuck you if you how are really not... How really fragile yeah. they are at times. Uh, yeah, no, it's... It's really good. And those four kids are spectacular, especially yeah. River Phoenix and uh, Corey Feldman. Right. Those two performances are really, especially knowing what ends up happening to the two of them. Yeah, which is a huge Is pity. like, it's a hindsight sort of gut punch a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And much like Vern, Jerry O'Connell's just fine. <laughs> you know, he just comes out of it kind He's of unscathed. Um, I, I would recommend this movie, actually. I think it's very good. And I think, like, for families, uh-huh. I think that a family could watch this movie yeah. together. I think parents and kids could watch this movie together to let, so that, like, you could watch this with your kid to let them know it's cool to talk to you about things. You right. know what I mean? Like, but in no way it is it oversympathetic. This is hardly a Hallmark movie. No. There's a lot of both emotional and physical violence to it. There is. The threat of violence is constant in this constant movie. Constant in this movie. And But that was the way that... that um, that I think it was But also, it's also, like, genuinely funny. Right. No, it's good. I liked it. I liked it so much. Also, the versions of Stand By Me that they play in the movie. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. It's a very emotional song, anyhow. You'll be singing the theme song to Paladin by the end of it, because right. they're just... Even if you've never seen the TV show. I, did, I still don't right. know. Yeah, I don't know the show, but... I know many of the words to the theme song because they sing it the whole time. 
Oh, also, wow. So I was looking on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. um, and then I'm looking here. The box office, the budget was about $8 million. Mm-hmm. Seven and a half million of those dollars came from Norman Lear. <laughs> Norman Lear gave a bunch of his own money well, because Lear, he believed in Rob yeah. Reiner and he believed in the script. Which is something that we got when we were watching All in the Family, is that this was ensemble theater done on television, and I think that... Yeah, I, I think that Rob Reiner, I, he was playing such a, at times, thankless part, being the stooge to uh, Carol O'Connor, and then Carol O'Connor, at times, being the stooge to the college kid, yeah. This song will, all, or this movie will also remind you how good the songs of the 50s were. Yeah. The theme, the music in this movie is very good. Right. <laughs> they did a nice job with it, and I don't know if that comes from King, or if that comes from... King often cites lyrics in his. He his, does. Right. That's why I, I because I didn't, um, I didn't. Re- I was going to reread the body, and then I just I failed. I'm a failure, y'all. No, no, no. You did a really good job with um, Children of the Corn, but this yeah, was a novella, so that means what? It was 30, longer than words. I had in the time yeah. allotted, and then also, I really like to sleep sometimes. <laughs> you were saying I have a relationship with a movie that goes back to. Um, watching a kind of like a promotional film made for this movie on a... You mean a commercial? No, no, not commercial. Okay. It's a promotional film. Sometimes when you're watching a movie on a local UHF station or something like that, and the film ran 10 minutes short or something, um, they would show these promotional movies that were made for distributors. Here's a movie about oh, the making gotcha. of a movie. Well, yeah, this movie yeah. was made without a distributor. Right. They so did not have a distributor. I remember seeing made. two promotional films that really impressed me at that time. One was for Labyrinth, and the other one was for this movie. And it made me really want to see the film. Like, wow, that that's really compelling. And when the film did hit it big, I was really kind of impressed. I wanted to see it. When I eventually did, I was really impressed by it. But I think it is probably more interesting to me now because I the age of the character when no well probably older. Uh, the writer is an adult. Mm-hmm. I'm looking back on this, going, yeah, those were I did have crazy great loyal friends when I was 12 years old. I don't remember being 12. Yeah, How I do. It was a good time. But um, and you do part company with people that you think will be your friend for the rest of your of life. Of course, yeah. Which is a pity. But um, but yeah, overall, I think this is one of the favorite adaptations of his work, and it makes me interested in reading the story. But I don't know if the story could be any more moving than the film is. They did a good job. Yeah, this is a, a really nice adaptation. Uh, and the cinematography, I have to say, is gorgeous. It's it is it's also very, very beautiful to look at. It's yeah. also long. It's pretty long. I feel like there's actual corollaries in the story to the Odyssey or some of the Greek myths. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't... Okay. But I feel like there's elements of that where we're looking at it as a mythological kind of um, adventure. Is the train the... um, What's the thing with one eye called? A cyclops? It could be. Well, we have a dog that only has one head, but... The point is, I think it has it has that feeling like this is these are kind of like the symbols a kid has in their life that later on become translated into these things that you know uh, have real significance, like a person's in individual kind of uh, religious and moral symbols or something. Right. 
and uh, Chris obviously is like the the moral example, despite his background and despite some of his actions of this group, and held them together that way. So it's um, yeah, I really enjoyed the film. I think it it holds up very very well. There's also that thing. There's one last thing, which is. Gordy has the last watch when they sleep overnight, mm-hmm. and he's sitting up on the train tracks, and I think he's writing in a mm-hmm. journal, and a deer comes out, right? Like a doe comes out and comes up pretty close to him, and then bounds away, and none of the other people see it. And he says that he never told anybody about that deer and had never mentioned it until he, mm-hmm. the writing of it, right. which is an interesting thing too, because it's like how much is shared and then how much right, and private. what you sort of keep. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Um, all right. That's, that's Stand By Me, guys. So next week we're going to watch Creep Show 2 for something completely different. Also, right. this movie scared the shit out of me when I was small and I'm scared of it. Oh, well, I am I so see, nervous. I really want to see what it's like now. Um, yeah, I, same, except also I, scared. So there's a local TV station, and, and my life, unfortunately, encompasses a lot of history, but there was a local TV station that used to run movies unedited in the middle of the night. So if you were a night owl, and on weekends and during the summer, away from uh, school, I right. was a night owl, I would stay up and watch The Late Show at 2.30 in the morning. That was about 3 when I got to sleep. And um, they showed Creep Show. And I didn't get to see the entire thing because it was running very late, but it was run completely uncut. Uh, and I did see the segment that you're talking about. I got that far. So I'm, I'm the raft. Of, I'm so scared of it. I'm kind <laughs> of interested in seeing how that translates now. Yeah. As a same. person who writes horror. Because I haven't seen like, it since it I was eight. Every once in a while, you'll see something and you'll see it again and go, oh, that did not work and then you'll yes, see something. I would I would direct yeah. the uh, audience to the movie April Fools if you see that movie when you are oh I don't know eight it's very scary mm-hmm. if you see it when you're an adult it's not so scary I had the opposite experience. also it turns out when you watch mm-hmm. the whole movie right it's not what you think it is right. <laughs> and I um, did not watch the whole movie I hid in the kitchen and ate cheese out of a package I like um Hey, there are explosions, because why wouldn't there be? Uh, I ate cheese out of, like, craft singles, because mm-hmm. I didn't ever have had them before. Oh. And I was like, I would like to try one of those, please. And then I we ate them with our salads, which I thought was weird. <laughs> and my friend Anna's house, she was the one who was watching it for her birthday, and I was like, I have to go, I'm going to go hang out in the kitchen and eat cheese. <laughs> See, I had the exact Opposite experience, when I was very little, I saw a movie called Carnival of Souls on television. Oh no, and then you were scarred forever. And very little. I didn't finish seeing the movie because I was so frightened. And it was very surreal and weird and black and white. And it was the middle of the afternoon. It was a... It was... I remember the sun was out. That didn't help. The movie's just creepy. And I saw the film 30 years later, and it still still scared the hell out of me and yeah. stays with me. I can't do... Well, I mean, the same thing is, like, uh-huh. I cannot listen to the Killers album um, without being creeped out because I was reading a book that scared me for a month yeah, while listening to House it. Of... House of Leaves. Yes. Um, okay. So Creepshow 2 is on Shudder, uh-huh. if you have that. That's where you can find it. I think it's also on Amazon Prime. So watch okay. along with us. 
see how scary it really is. And it might not be scary at all. It might not be scary at all. Hmm. Do you have anything you want to recommend? I've seen so much this week. I saw a movie today called Crawl. Crawl. I will not... Could also be called Chomp, although Crawl has three meanings in the movie. Three. Yes, it does. That's a lot of meanings for one word. (laughs) It's produced by Sam Raimi. It is directed by the guy who... The French director... Is he French? I believe he is. Who did... Um, the remake of The Hills Have Eyes most popularly. He yeah. also does some really he's, fair warning he does very graphically violent movies and this is no exception although he shows a great deal more restraint in it. And the film kind of hurtles along a story of a woman, young woman who's a Yes, he was born in Paris, France. Swimmer. France. Who yes, that's one crawl. Swimmer. Crawl is right. freestyle. It's it's a, it's a swimming move. And she is going back to um, her father's home in Florida because... Uh, they can't uh, get a hold of him and there's a hurricane right. coming. And there's a hurricane. It is... Um, like that's a constant threat to them. And unfortunately, some of the local alligators from a gator farm are loose. That They're not silly. from a gator farm. Yeah, she passes one on the way there. That's why there's two dozen of them swimming in the water. I don't... Oh, I missed that. Um, and they're swarming around. Unfortunately, they're building a nest inside of her house. Two of they them have are. built a nest. Uh, so it's human beings against, in my opinion, very beautiful reptiles. Not for everybody. Uh, no, especially if they're trying to eat you. They're yeah, definitely so trying to eat you. And her dad's stuck in the crawl space underneath. With a That's compound fracture. Name. Right. Of his leg. Woof. And there's a lot of limb destruction in this movie, so just be warned yeah, going into it's, it. Yeah, um, it's 87 minutes, and I was very tense, and my neck hurts still from watching it today. Right. It was very much, I think, like watching uh, A Quiet Place, where yes. the, the goal of the film is to keep you in a constant state of tension until... Also Apocalypto. Those yes. are the three movies I can recall being in a theater and being like, ow, my body. <laughs> but it's a really well-acted film. I'm not familiar with the young actress who's playing the, um, the swimmer. And I'm not going to try to pronounce her name. Her name is Kaya. Let's call her Kaya. <laughs> but it is a very well And it's shot. almost a two... Only two people get credits at the beginning, acting right. credits at the beginning. And it's... Um, that woman and her, the Barry Pepper who plays her uh, father. Right. And the relationship between the two of them is actually really good and does sound like a dad who's poured all of his life into his daughter because there's something lacking in him. But it's a really good film. It, but warning, it is very violent. And there is some some really gory stuff at points in the film. But at no point does it feel gratuitous. As a matter of fact, there's it's almost as if they don't play as much into the violence as they could. No. Uh, yes. It's pretty good. Yeah. I recommend it. So what would you recommend? I'm going to recommend a weird little show that I watched the entirety of on Netflix uh-huh. because it's 10 episodes that are 23 minutes long. It is a reality competition show called Blown Away, and it's about glass blowing. And y'all, it's awesome. Just watch it. It's literally two and a half hours of your life, and you get to watch these people turn molten, melted glass into beautiful works of art. It's magic. It's very cool. Uh, so this is the glass equivalent of your British baking show. Right? Yes, Great British Bake Off or 
but it's, I mean, so much shorter than that because those episodes are an hour long. Right. And these, um, there, it starts with ten, it goes down to a one winner, uh, and you get a little of their personality, but not a, not a lot. Like mm-hmm. I said, each episode's twenty three minutes, so it's a half. It would be a half an hour with commercials. But guess what? Netflix ain't got no commercials, so right. you can watch. Oh no, it's not two and a half hours. It's like three hours and twenty minutes. Sorry, I lied. Uh, but it's very cool. They built this giant hot shop somewhere in Canada, probably in Vancouver, just over the uh-huh. border from Seattle. Uh, there's a lot of uh, glass in glass art in Seattle. That's where um, Chulili, I think his name is Chulili, uh, a famous uh, glass artist, uh, lived and has a museum there. We went. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's, I like watching Process. Uh-huh. Um, and I've always wanted to do glass blowing, but at Cal Poly, the glass blowing class was at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I never felt like that was going to be a safe time for me to be working with molten glass. <laughs> so I never took it in five years. I wanted Every quarter I contemplated it, and uh-huh. every quarter I was like, Seven in the morning is very early to be fucking with molten glass. So I never did, and I'm sad about it. But there's a place in Oakland called The Crucible, and I keep wanting to save up my money and do like a weekend there where I could learn how to make marbles. I would never do anything that they do. I mean, what they're doing is incredible. Uh, But it's also cool because they all get assistance, Mm -hmm. random assistance, because you cannot do this by yourself. So listening to the sort of shorthand communication. It's like another language. It's it's awesome. It's very cool. It's called Blown Away on Netflix. I recommend it. I think it's real good. All right. Is that everything? I think that's everything. Well, we've been talking for so long. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, if we missed something, which we definitely missed something, so tell us about it, either on Twitter at LatecomersPod or in our Gmail at LatecomersPod at gmail.com or on Facebook you can find us under Latecomers Podcast. Mm-hmm. We will be back next week. Creepshow 2. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Shudder. Check it out. Uh, Shudder is a good service, and they just dropped their... I think if you get it through Amazon... I know we hate Jeff Bezos, but mm-hmm. if you get it through Amazon, I think they're offering a $2.99 a month deal, which I think is worth it. So they are not a sponsor. We pay them, and they do nothing for us except let me watch Creep Show without having to pay for it individually. And that's it. I remind you to take your medicine and we remind you better Better late late than than never. never.